Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Empire. When football seasons get longer, training for it must also adjust. Two weeks out from wherever you're tapering into, you can't become more fitter. We can't make a guy fitter in two weeks. Can't make him faster in two weeks. But doing too much and and having residual fatigue Mm. can have effects. That's Jamie Hepner, Director of Applied Sports Science for Football at Catapult, where modern NFL football players are adjusting to a new normal. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. There's been a movement in high-level athletics that has a broad definition. Load management, resting, practicing less, playing fewer games in some instances, has become a new norm in sports. It's a tricky subject for leagues who know paying customers aren't interested in understudies. Resting your best is not the norm of the NFL, though, with rosters and competition razor thin. And now with the season longer than ever before, staying healthy is what will make the difference between winning and losing. Our guest this week is Jamie Hepner. He's the Director of Applied Sports Science for Football at Catapult, which these days is helping the NFL, their teams, and their players leverage player performance. And considering the season has been lengthened, it is necessary. Hey, Jamie, how are you? Doing well, Brad. Pleasure to be here. Um, tell us, our, our listeners will be familiar, obviously, about Catapult. Um, tell us a little bit about your role with the company and what you do. My role has evolved over the years, but most recently it is essentially, um, you know, helping our highest caliber football clients here in the U.S. Um, I guess make sense of the data is probably the most uh, eloquent way of putting it and, and really trying to find some insights and really go deep down in that rabbit hole, um, you know, seven years on since I joined the company. And that takes a lot of, you know, shapes and forms and working with different people in different organiza- different organizations from you know, um, analytics to strength and conditioning coaches, head coaches, you know, some assistants, you know, people that are front office or football office. So, um, but essentially it is the consulting arm of the business and, and how do we get a competitive edge to win football games with this stuff? All right. So, um, what have you learned about the modern football player? What have you learned about their bodies? Uh, how long you got? uh, (laughs) As long as you need. uh, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I moved to the States seven years ago and I thought I knew what I was, you know, going to, you know, see. And, and it has been just a learning curve that, that whole piece. I guess, um, there's been a certain way of doing things for a long time in the NFL. And there is a real competitive advantage that I've seen teams find the balance between the hard nosed old school approach of building capacity, work, you know, callousing guys. And um, first and foremost, not messing them up. And, and, and it seems to be that 
that intersecting, you know, area of not babying these guys, not not using the numbers to make excuses, right? The I've talked about it before, and 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 um, the the tumbling way. The standard is the standard. Having a having a certain aspect of using numbers to say this is what is required to win football games physically, but also you're no good to us if you're tired and beat up and worn out on Sunday. And finding a way to balance that, I'd say, is is one of the big things I've learned. What have I learned about the athletes involved? Um, you know, my my time, you know, working firsthand with a few has been, they are incredible, best in the world. And I've seen some from around the world. And, you know, the amount of, um, you know, they're, they're fast and explosive in those pieces, you know, of course. I can't believe how much they can tolerate. I think yeah. what I thought coming in was these guys are quick sprinters and great, but you know, soccer and football players back in Australia, you know, they do the volume. I mean, we're so, you know, like anecdotally high look in the NFL, they seem to run further in a week of practice than we did back home in, in the AFL, which which shot would have shocked me ten years ago to, to to think it. It wasn't it wasn't the face value. So. Just world class talented athletes, um, just God given, many of them, um, who can tolerate the load. And I think, you know, where I've seen competitive advantage has not been of, I'm going to make a guy fit or, or make a guy, you know, whatever. You know, they're good without you. Um, how do you identify some of the real, like, game winning double down on, you know, maybe for an outside small receiver, it is you know, true speed capacity, because he's already quick. Saying saying you can make a quick guy quicker, A, is probably, you know, some ego speaking as a coach. <laughs> but also oh, making a guy 2% quicker, it's probably not going to help because route choice and scheme is going to dictate so much of whether he catches it. Making him be able to run 45, you know, passing plays in, in an offensive, you know, Sunday, um, probably has more to do with, you know, his ability, you know, empowering him to use the talents and traits he already has is probably a good approach. So I'd say just unbelievably shocked and impressed how good these guys are. I mean, I think a lot, of, a lot has changed um, here. Um, the amount of practices have been decreased significantly as that's been negotiated between the NFLPA and the NFL itself. And it sounds like you're on board with that because I think some fans hear that and they're doing less practice and less work and they're not going to be ready. It's that old school mentality of you got to run into a brick wall 8 million times to win a Super Bowl. It sounds like it's kind of music to your ears that these guys' bodies have needed this break. Yeah, I wouldn't say I won't, I won't comment either way, Bram. How about that? You know, I wouldn't right. say I'm, I'm for it or against it. I'll say that it widens the gap on what guys choose to do with their own time. And, and it probably helps good team, you know, hurts good teams in terms of their, in terms of their mentality, right? If you're a team that practices like a college team and beats the hell out of the players, which, which isn't necessarily bad, you know, time away from practice can be good, right? To give guys a rest. If you don't do that, you know, and I don't know, you're missing out on time with the, you know, a superstar quarterback to catch balls up in, maybe, maybe it's a disadvantage. You know, there, there's no, I, I'd say, necessarily true rule. But I will say that, and we've seen this from, from just, just interaction with individual players, um, that it it puts more of an onus on the player to do something quality in his, because he has control now of his time away from the team. So if he does poor, you know, practice on his own account or, 
um, conditioning or has a bad personal coach because they all have personal coaches, um, then we can see some diminishing returns and, and by extension or, you know, by extension and that competitive advantage for guys that do it well. So it's probably enhanced the market or the, or the, the area that is conditioning away and, and, and COVID really exemplified that with not having OTAs last year. And so we've seen more and more players, you know, reach out and say, we use this at a team, Catapult, we use your, you know, my coach uses your insights, video, wearable devices, sports science consulting. We have less time at the team now. How do I get it for me? Yeah. I got money. I got time. I got my own personal set of coaches. How do I get set up? And three, four years ago, we, we never had any. And, and now we're seeing a significant number of NFL players reach out um, and say, let's get set up. Can you talk about the process of gathering the data, getting this information, communicating it back to whether it's the coach, the trainer, the team, or, or the player in this case, and how to educate them on how to train properly by using all of this data? Well, it takes many forms, so it's, it's kind of hard to put, put a blanket on that. I'll, I'll give you some uh, scenarios, though. Um, it really depends on, once again, you know, kind of need. Um, if, if a guy has a, a really great staff around him in his personal sense and he's got a, you know, a, a team that he plays for, that he trusts, you know, um, it really is going to be preparing for camp, right? Like camp's going to be oh, – back with you. Camp's going to be here. Right, like, how do I ramp up and ensure we're doing a some of the same content that to prepare me for for what it is? You know, I'm not running on the beach or doing Pilates. You know, what it, you know, like it's not completely different content. It is relevant to football, um, and then also the volume ramps up, so we don't have this real significant shock to the system. Now, some different iterations of that. Different, you know, different teams use things differently. If you're coming back from a you know an injury plagued season, then it's going to be more dictated by the athletic trainers who have a plan for, for your return to play. So it's probably not going to be running around and things like that. Um, you know, if you're not in a skill position, you know, it's going to be probably some more specific movements that aren't running conditioning up hills and things like that if you're a left tackle. So um, it, it, it varies team by team, but generally it is, the, the staff at the team communicating what the demands are going to look like in the first week of camp. Uh, we know that's the most risky for injuries. We know the first couple preseason games are the most you know risky time or most prevalent time. Um, and so here's, here's, here's where we're aiming for. Be ready for this. And the numbers can quantify that. Now some common, you know, some common pieces are total volume, right? Like what, how many, how many yards do we expect you to run in the first few practices? Um, how much high speed running do we expect if you're a, if you're an outside guy? Um, you know, what's the work to rest ratio, right? Like how much do you, here's the total, but how much do we expect to see you in a 10 minute team run period or a team pass period um, to prepare for that worst case scenario? And then, you know, that's been aided and facilitated by, um, you know, and, you know, like driven by COVID, the, the NFL really integrating some, some um, mandates around that. And this is no state secret, you know, like the, the ramp period, you know, removing a, a preseason game and, and really, I guess, taking some of that, um, I guess, uncertainty away and, and saying, okay, the first three or four days of camp have to look like this, can be no more than this as, as determined, um, you know, by the league. And, and 
you know, having some understanding. That was those those decisions were data driven. You know, they didn't make them uh, on a whim. Mm. Um, that was from recording, looking at teams' injury, but also their wearable data and their workload and, and what led to that decision was informed. Um, and staying on this idea of, of having a plan, ramping up to camp, ramping up towards a regular season, and then, you know, best laid plans, ramping up towards the end of the season when the games matter most, and then hopefully into the playoffs. Um, have you kind of come to a conclusion that you're seeing some trends by which collectively and obviously injuries happen and and those are things that are out of control knee injuries head injuries whatever it may be in the case of playing a sport like this but have you seen any kind of trends as you've gone through this work that could help a team collectively put its best foot forward to the right type of condition to excel at the most critical time of a season it's a great question um this is one i have a extensive amount of answers for that I can't give. <laughs> I walk the line a little bit here. Right. I'd love to give you some stories on this one. Um, but it's probably, you know, an area that I work, you know, most commonly with some of these teams. So I'll, I'll do my best answer, you know, without giving some specifics away. Um, you know, it starts with how we use the data or, or, or how anyone uses some of this data. Um, and, and really the two halves, right? Like looking at what happened and then, taking that over a number of years or expertise and using the data to, to dictate, right? To plan, to, to you know, um, to, to have, a, have, a, have a schedule of things. Uh, and it's far more useful that way, right? Like if we're looking at what happened, it's already happened and we, we are reactive, um, saying Here, here's the plan and being proactive. We need to be unloaded here or we know this is the risk part here. Make sure practices aren't more than this, this and this. Um, and the good teams that are doing it, and there is a number of teams doing this, by the way, like a, a significant amount, um, it is so relevant to the variables, you know, of your team. And, I, and I'll give some examples. If you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you're defending your Super Bowl title, we do not, we do not, not want to be up and going or like primed or, 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 or perfect at week 17. We, we don't expect that to be our most important game. We expect February to be our most important month. Now, if you're the, yeah, without diminishing anyone, yeah, if you're um, the Detroit Lions. Oh, um, be careful. Be careful who you pick. Go ahead. And I say that with the utmost of respect. I've just recently moved to Michigan, so uh, I'm a resident of Michigan. Uh, love for the Lions, right? But, but our goal and expectation, if we can win our division or, or even get a wild card this year, um, let's see what can happen, right? Like that's our, that's our, I guess, not goal, but, you know, reali- being realistic, reality. Um, and so week 17 is important. We want to win as many regular season games as possible. If you're the box, you've got the best team, you know, best, best stack team. Um, we expect to win enough games to at least get a wild card. And therefore we can kind of, put all our eggs in that basket of being playoffs, you know. Um, so it's hard to chase them, uh, these good teams. And you put Kansas City, or probably the Rams, are, you know, now these sorts of teams. So so how you plan or, or what you're shooting for is big. And um, my approach to that generally, or, you know, a lot of other teams as well, is uh, the pro forma of an Olympic taper, right? Like if you're, if you're running 100 metres in the Olympics, um, there's a pretty, pretty clear model of, you know, it's well documented research and things like that. Doing your volume early and 
and not doing all your work in that period. Understanding that two weeks out from wherever you're tapering into, you can't become more fitter. We can't make a guy fitter in two weeks. can't make him faster in two weeks. But doing too much and, and having residual fatigue mm. can have effects. So, you know, doing that work early and, and coming down is a pretty good approach. But, you know, the nuances that come into that, uh, some examples, you know, Monday night games, Thursday night games, and bye weeks are real considerations of not only, like, how do we set that up and manage that from a, a workload standpoint so we, we play well there? Yeah. But the implication, you know, following that, um, um, you know, you could have a, a bye week, regular week, and a Monday night game in, in three weeks, and, and they could all be, you know, significant travel weeks potentially, right? Um, how, do, how do you manage that? Yeah. What, what does your team need to, to perform well there, but then also not 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 be beaten up because of it? You know, not spend all your all your tokens. You know, since you mentioned the Thursday game, and I know this is a dangerous question, I don't want to get you in trouble with the league, but how do you think about that? The turnaround that everybody has to go through at some point during the season, where they play on a Sunday and then they play on a Thursday. What do I think about it? Well, I think about it. Um, <laughs> ain't no sympathy. Ain't no excuses in this league. Uh, you know, get it done, man. Get a win. You know, like figure it out. Figure out a way to be better than the other team on that Thursday. So, you know, bottom line there. Um, so, but the toll yeah. on the body certainly has got to be different. Yeah. Oh, it is significantly. But we're not going to hit sit here and complain that we have a Thursday night game on national TV. And that it's you know it's it's whatever, um, shit, man. That pays the bills. You know, yeah. Like, you know, like, you know like, and a win is all that matters. So so I'll will ne- never be critical or or you know positive negative about the fact that we do it. I will say that I've seen I've seen a number of teams you know years gone by that we've sat down there and said what are we going to do for this Thursday week? It's a short week and we've got to travel away to the West Coast. You know whatever the conversation is. And we've put something in place, and we've looked better because it was a Thursday night short week. Because um, we know way, right? We did the minimum, you know, like meat and potato stuff that week. And I've seen teams be better on a Thursday night game short week than they were if they were, you know, on a Sunday. And and not anecdotally, I'm saying numbers to prove it. Mm-hmm. Look at the numbers. Like we we smoked this team, whether it was defense or offense or you know whatever. Um, so it's not a hard line. We're going to be worse off from this. You just have to put the right things in to make make sure you're better. You know, there's there's the teams that sit around and I guess you know say, well, this is a problem. We lost because it was on Thursday. I guess there's teams that make something happen, and that's I think that's true for true for many people out inside and outside. Yeah, right. Like this is a challenging situation that we're in. Okay, how are we going to make it positive? Um, tell me about the addition of a 17th game and how teams and you all are looking at the extension of the regular season and how teams are kind of thinking through um, getting through it healthy and getting through that with peak performance. Probably a similar conversation, isn't it? It's like, you know, like it is an extra game. I think the way it was done was brilliant, you know, by the league. Um, there was it. Yes, there's a, there's a game at it, but um, I haven't seen some of the media releases and, and whatnot um, you know, it was a data-driven decision. It was, okay, we understand and we know that there's a, a significant risk in preseason games. We're going to remove one of those games and in lieu of that, add a 17th game. So, you know, the, the net result, you know, there's, there's probably, you know, 
winners and losers, you know, like implications and people can have opinion. I'll, I'll stay out of that conversation. But the net result of this thing is, is, is pretty clear in the, in the data that's been presented of, you know, the total big picture of a year, maybe not a season, but, you know, we, we've got one less preseason game and we've got one more regular season. So, team, okay, so teams aren't thinking about this differently in terms of what we were talking about before where they're setting up a plan for how they can collectively get their teams to peak. Are they thinking about this differently? Because, I mean, you and I both know that a preseason game is not a regular season game. There's a lot less people. There's a lot more yeah. straight. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah, that's a, yeah. I guess those comments were more on the side of you know the the league's decision to do it. Yeah, I thought it was done really well. Yeah, you know, like it, it it could have been. How a team's doing with it? Well, without speaking to any specific team, Bram, you probably know as well as I do. Uh, NFL teams operate seven day cycles and seven day windows. That's and right. It's very much. What are we doing this Sunday? Um, and and. And yes, teams have planned, and like we talked about before, that kind of progression and periodization. But I'm not sure the the real implication or you know like nuances of the 17th game has. I'm not sure we've really seen it yet. You know, yeah. like the things have been put into place for that extra game and a slightly longer season. But I'm not sure that the worlds have been changed because of it yet. And I'm not sure we really understand what it all means until we get there. I, my guess is it won't change a whole lot. I, I, my guess is that, you know, that that week-to-week mentality comes into play and we we don't really see until the playoffs maybe. Or, yeah. You know, a, a certain team here and there that was like, like took advantage or was, you know, like diminishing effects of it. I, it's really, really too too early to say until we, until we go down that rabbit hole, I, I think. There's some. I think it will be very individual, like the timing of a buy, right? Like if you have a real late buy, um, I think this can almost benefit you versus if you play a team that has an early buy. I agree because you, your stretch is so you know so a, a short late season stretch is so much easier than a than a than a long late season stretch for that extra piece. Um, like the crossover of divisional play in, and, and you know and that extra it, it matched up so nicely with 16 you know with 16 games right where you you play in division a certain amount and then you play the whole of another division or half like this it, it kind of makes it uneven so like if you're if your one extra division game is a good team versus a not so good team i won't i won't quote any team names here. well i'll tell you one because washington just had theirs at buffalo okay their extra game was at Buffalo. That's the perfect example. Yeah, at Buffalo. So if you're if you're at you, you, you tell me you're, you're at well you know like a divisional loser from last year. If that was your seventeenth once off out of division or like single division tack on, that's a significant competitive event. Yes. Let's let's look at a a good division, right? They everyone's saying the best division in football, the NFC West, right? Um. If you're, because uh, you're not going to play all the same as that 17th. So if the if the Seahawks play the Bills, right, and the Cardinals play, I won't quote it, or the Jags, right, and, that, you know, and that's no disrespect to the Jags, they're in the Wilbur phase. That could be like a season deciding, you know. Yes, 100%. Now that used to be that that all played out in the wash because. You know, there was an even amount of games with 16. 
not so much now. It might take right. four or eight years to, for that to play out, and and this window of being that you know the competitive division will have gone. So that's a nuance that is there. But once again, we, we in our world, you know, we can't complain about it, and that doesn't help anyone. But um, how do we how do we get around it? Yeah. You know, how do we what do we do? What do we do about it? And how do we plan for this thing? Nothing. It's so, the job, and I'm with you. Week to week, it doesn't matter. What happened before? What happens in three weeks doesn't matter. I, I know how the NFL cycles work. All right. Um, all right, last thing for you. Uh, give me give me a forecast ahead, you know, three, five years. What are you guys working on with NFL teams and athletes that will be important to them and important to Catapult to learn about? So, you know, the, the things that we've kind of released in, in the, you know, recent history have been, you know, around specificity, right? Like we've got, sorry about that, we've got, you know, quality um, algorithms and metrics that are, that are sports specific and we've continued to dive down that rabbit hole and, Recently, we've brought them out across different sports of, you know, analyzing running mechanics and quarterback metrics, you know, partnering with Wilson in the, in the past of smart balls and um, uh, lineman metrics. And, and so we're really, you know, um, doubling down in, in, on that front, um, specificity. We, we think our technology is extremely accurate and robust and, and that the next frontier is in, is in, um, prescriptive data, you know, um, you know, d- describing what happened and then, and then what to do about it in, in terms of the, the data science side, right? Like the, the, the analytic side, I think that's pretty well validated by the market. We certainly have done our research and, and, and think it is right. Like the NFL teams, it's the new arms race. It's the new arms race that is spending money on interpreting, not only, you know, wearable data, but lots of data and more and more we're seeing the, the results of, of some of that decision, you know, like fourth down decisions to go for it or not. I mean, I love the moment with the Ravens and John Harbaugh going out to, to his quarterback and saying, you want to go for this Lamar? <laughs> you know, like you want to, I mean, listen, you know, it doesn't take a lot of data to know giving the ball back to Pat Mahomes is a bad idea. <laughs> no, but it makes you sleep yeah. at night making the decision easier. Right? I agree. It's still an executive decision of that coach. And I, I love that. Like, you like it when the math is on your side. You love it when the math is on your side. <laughs> you know, yeah. he still made it, but you know that the Ravens, week in, week out before that, are saying like, you know, yes or no. Right? That's right. It's telling you it, you're better off to make this call. So when you're standing there, you're saying, I'm going to make this call, but it's backed by these decisions. You know, how many other aspects of our, you know, like winning culture, like, you know, like, Football IQ decisions. Can we use data to empower? And that's the, that's the space I think we're really excited to be in. And in the next three to five years, you'll see it. I, the the great thing is, and the reason that you know you should use Catapult if you're an NFL team is that I don't even know what they look like necessarily, right? And and if I did, you wouldn't need us. You know I mean, like if, it, if, you, if your eyes could see it and you said, you know, I really want to be able to make this, this thing better or whatever it is or this decision, well, man, just make it, you know, like it's, it's the pieces that we can't even, you know, foreseeably know right now. Um, and that's why it's so exciting uh, yep. and, and, and having data to empower things that we, your eyes can't see. So I think that's the piece. And, and what does that look like? I think that's, you know, big picture, you know, when we see these hundred instances of, you know, um, this in the wearable data or in the video data, right? When we see a team run man coverage all the time in practice and on game day, and that, you know, 
dictates lots of high-speed running. Um, what is the implication of that on physical performance? You know, I mean, that's pulling something out of the sky, but the millions of things of, you know, bringing multiple data sets together because, you know, Catapult does more than just wearables and video. Um, when we see this tactical piece from our video suite combined with this piece of our wearable suite, right, it means this outcome um, and not just this time. The hundreds of times we've seen it across your history, um, you make the decision of what to do about it, but that's what we see. I think that's where the future is, and, and certainly that's where trip teams are trying to get to and where we aspire to be the world leader in. Jamie Hepner is the Director of Applied Sports Science for Football at Catapult. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Bram. Pleasure. On the next Future Sport Podcast, youth leagues are coming out of COVID. You know, in, in areas of the country, I think there's there's obviously varying levels of um, precautions and, and protections being put in place. But, you know, I think everyone is really focused on um, the positive impact that sports do have on the children's mindsets and the mental health and, you know, trying to balance that with the risk of the pandemic right now. That's Pete Franzales, CEO at TeamSnap, where the lessons of the pandemic may be that local mentorship and leadership matter more now than ever. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.